Good evening. My name is Emilio Amaro, and this is uh, the Master Plan Implementation Committee meeting for September 15, 2022. Um, we are joined tonight by uh, five members of our uh, Master Plan Implementation Committee, myself, Joe Emrine, Bob McDonald, uh, Lisa Lopez, and Alan Rappaport. Uh, so um, we have uh, a few items on the agenda tonight, uh, the first of which is the uh, selection process for let me see if I can actually put that on the screen. There we go. Can everybody see that? Yep. Yes. Okay. So um, we have the um, oops. So uh, the selection process, uh, obviously, uh, our former folks at home, our uh, former town planner, Laura Smead. Um, left her role last April, and since then there's been a process of finding a new town planner um, to take over. Uh, so um, as we have uh, Bob McDonald, who's on the selection committee for town planner, as well as Lisa Lopez and uh, Joe Emrine is on planning board. I'll start um, maybe with Bob, if you could just give us an update on where the committee stands and Lisa also feel free to we had a gentleman to us on a Thursday evening before I think two selectmen meetings ago. Um, it was myself, uh, Charlie Aspinwall, uh, Jody Middleton from HR, Patty from uh, planning board, and we met with him in the Sala meeting room. The uh, gentleman is originally from New Hampshire, uh, graduated uh, from Quinnipiac University with uh, uh, a BA in journalism, and then went on to the University of Utah and got a master's degree in city and metropolitan planning. Uh, he has worked in uh, Bedford, New Hampshire as the assistant planning director and is presently the town planner for the um, town of Stratum, New Hampshire. He is living in um, Boston presently, and it sounds like he's commuting because uh, he lives on Springfield Street in Boston. Um, we asked him a number of questions. He responded very well. He was very interested in the position. Uh, I, he's right now away on his honeymoon, I believe. Um, he was offered the job, I believe, and Lisa can confirm this, but I believe he was offered the job by the selectmen. It went from our committee to the selectmen and I believe, I'm not sure. Yeah, but. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll offer some clarifying statements after you're finished, Bob. All right. Um, so we seem to have a, you know, a pretty decent background. Um, we did not get a lot of applicants, quite frankly. Um, it was out there advertised twice. And um, it's like any industry, it seems that, uh, no one's applying for jobs. So I think it's a little limited, but uh, <clears throat> it was a candidate that we pushed forward to the selectmen. 
Um, I just want to make it clear that I'm not on the search committee. Um, the select board representative to the search committee is Chris Connolly. Um, I, I, I don't believe he uh, interviewed the candidate with the rest of the search committee. Um, but um, the candidate did come before the select board on August 30th. Um, I was uh, missing due to a, a death in my family. Um, and so I actually interviewed him um, uh, later, um, you know, by Zoom. Um, I, the select board has not made the appointment, has not made a job offer. Um, my understanding is that um, Jody Middleton uh, was looking for more information from the candidate um, to even begin reference checks. And honestly, there's not been an opportunity at all, to my knowledge, for the select board members to talk together and to share impressions of the, uh, of the interviews. So I, I honestly can't predict whether or not this is a candidate who is likely to be offered or even to accept the position. Um, so I, I guess I would say that if this committee um, wants to share anything about what it wants to see in a candidate, um, having Bob on this committee and being able to absorb that input and take it back to the rest of the search committee, I, I think is still timely and relevant. Bob, uh, uh, Bob, did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, um, we spent about, uh, I'm gonna say maybe an hour. Um, each of us, you know, had different questions. Um, and like I said, he responded pretty well overall. And uh, he seemed to be uh, interested in the position. Um, so that's pretty much all I have to say, but uh, we did put, you know, Pass it forward to the selectmen, which is the committee that's making the selection, really. And if it uh, turned out that uh, this person uh, were to be um, hired, uh, what would be the window for that being completed? Or if, let's say, there was another job search required, what type of time would it look like to turn around on that? That I can't answer. That I believe that's between Jody and um, the, the, the uh, town administrator. And is currently not having a town planner, and this may be more of a question for Joe, uh, but it, it does not having a town planner at the moment or since April, has that been negatively impacting uh, the work of the planning board or pending potential zoning changes for this uh, fiscal year upcoming? fiscal year 24, that would be on the warrant. Um, is, there, is there a sense that this is um, holding up the opportunity to, to forward some things that the planning board had kind of in the ether that they wanted to get out in the pipeline? Well, looks, I think that um, we're doing just fine with, but cool. luck would have it, we're doing just fine without a planner. And in fact, I, I wasn't even really thinking about it. Um, the meetings seem to be going rather smoothly. So, um, well, I mean, we get a lot of feedback from people that are um, been with the town for a long time uh, that come to our meetings, but um, it's always nice to have a town planner chime in on a few of these things that, uh, so 
but um, we seem to be doing okay. I think there's, uh, but to, to, to uh, you did ask me to, I reached out to the planning board, uh, other members, and they didn't, they didn't have any information. They didn't get back to me. So it sounds like it's, it's going to be between uh, the search committee and the uh, board of select, select board. Uh, Lisa, and then I saw your hand up, Alan. Um, um, I, I'm not on the planning board, uh, clearly. Um, my understanding is that um, we have great resources in the person of Tom Houston, who's been with the town for many, many years and is uh, very, very proficient in understanding the town uh, bylaws and zoning laws. And therefore, there doesn't seem to be any holdup on the review of projects. Um, I think what may be happening um, with the absence of a town planner for now, you know, six months or so, is that, um, you know, quite understandably, uh, there's no planning. Um, so there haven't been any new grant applications that would otherwise come from her office or the town planner position is a permanent position of the housing trust um, that had been intimately involved in working with a consultant to uh, create um, the housing production plan. Um, that work has continued, but I, I would be remiss if I you know, didn't offer that we miss this position. Um, you know, we just do. I mean, it's, it's nobody's fault. I think as has been said, it's a very tough economic environment um, I don't believe anybody's dragging their feet, you know, because they don't want to tell a planner. It's just a very, very tough environment. Um, and, and so I hope that the town is offering a compensation and benefits package that's competitive, because I suspect that and have been told that there are many towns looking for town planners right now. Um, um, what I worry about most is the uh, MBTA communities law, um, because it would it would naturally fall to the leadership of the town planner and the town administrator, which we know is you know, subject to change imminently to um, determine the extent to which Canton as an MBTA community is going to be impacted and to prepare adequately. And there are a whole lot of steps that are you know, preparation. And to my knowledge, you know, that work is awaiting the arrival of our next town planner. So there's a, a decent number of um, uh, grant opportunities that are being missed potentially and some interdepartment cooperation, coordination. And it's just, it's, um, you know, it's nobody's fault. It's uh, right. it just, you know, it's a it's a consequence of there being an absence um, in a in a key role, and when you don't have the resources, um, you know, sometimes things have to wait. Mm -hmm. uh, Alan, did you have uh, a, a comment you wanted to make or a question? Yeah, it was sort of more of a comment and a question, but Lisa answered a lot of it because I was wondering was like the compensation package not competitive, like with other towns, and you know, it it just seems to me that you would think that this would be a like highly sought after, you know, job for somebody, but many towns are sort of in the same situation that we're at. So maybe, you know, but I, I do think it's an important um, role that somebody needs to fill and I would hate to see it go another six months. I, I should mention that um, again, at the August 30 me meeting of the select board to, uh, that I did not attend, 
there was a select board appointment of Gene Manning as a quote unquote um, temporary town planner. But that was really, um, be, I mean, because Mr. Manning, given his role in economic development, he very generously and graciously volunteered to uh, be in a position of answering some phone calls, returning phone calls, um, doing some basic uh, work that would otherwise, in terms of signatures, that would otherwise fall to the town planner. But he makes no uh, pretense of being a professional planner. And so, you know, by definition, we're, we're missing those opportunities. And I think we just have no choice but to continue to be vigilant and creative. And I, I mean, I, I do think that the HR department is taking a look at the, you know, the adequacy, <laughs> excuse me, of the whole compensations package. Jeff? <laughs> yeah, I think I did a search um, a while back on salaries. And I think that I was surprised to see that I think Laura's position was only getting around $80,000, which is much, which is a lot less than the uh, medium income for the town. So even much less than the town clerk. So, and it's a very important job especially so it's a great sounds like that's part of it uh to comment on the other individual that was i mean stratum new hampshire is a very uh wealthy town in new hampshire it's beautiful and whoever is in, in what's that i think it's bedford new hampshire no, no he oh he's, he was in bedford and he's in stratum right now okay sorry yeah that's okay so I mean, it does sound like he's got some. Uh, he knows about anyhow. Uh, I, I'm. Uh, that's just a comment. And and definitely, you know, um, our com discussing whether there is imminently a town planner or not isn't uh, our committee in any way voicing an opinion on the current candidate or anything like that. Uh, just as a as a clarification. Um, but just to see different potential uh, contingencies and, and things like that. Um, but it, with regard to an interim town planner, um, as Gene as, uh, has been uh, essentially appointed to do in the interim for some amount of time, it, it, what limitations are there that only a town planner could do? Like, for instance, let's say, we do go six, eight, 10 months without a town planner just to, to create a, a, a theoretical scenario. Um, is it possible to have an interim town planner and for a, a longer period of time? And if so, what legal limitations? Um, you know, for, I, I'm sure there's certain certification, you know, cert, for instance, there are certain town positions that someone has to be certified to sign off on certain things or so what would be the point where you would reach that a, a professional certified town planner would be needed versus something that someone that's an interim could do that's, I, I, that's I an open question. question i don't know what that point is um for a position that would be tantamount to an interim where would you stamp you know to be able to sign documents i i suspect that the limitation would rather be a matter of both expertise and experience um, and, you know, there is a, it's a highly technical uh, mm -hmm. role that depends on a lot of, you know, ec both expertise um, and experience. 
it, it's, it's not that all town planners have the same experience and expertise. Um, there is housing, there's transportation, there's project review, there's environmental stewardship, um, there's grant writing. I mean, there's, there are categories of expertise and um, it's unusual for a town planner to have all of them. You know, sometimes towns have staff, you know, they have more than one position, so they, they spread the expertise among them. Um, but in, in our case, in, in Canton's case, uh, we certainly had benefited from having a town planner who, you know, I believe was responsible for at least the number that she presented to the select board was uh, about $6 million in grant funds over the six years that she was here. Um, and, and I think in particular, um, looking for a town planner that can be very helpful on this MBTA communities law uh, is going to be um, important. Um, that said, if you'll indulge me, we did just hire, the town hired um, at the behest of the um, housing trust, a housing coordinator, part-time housing coordinator, um, in order to you know, sort of execute the strategies um, of the housing production plan not yet finished. But I will mention that um, we attracted someone who is a retired you know, so-called executive, you know, in the municipal sense. He had been the senior planner um, for quite a number of cities and towns um, with, with expertise in planning and, and particularly housing. And so it may be that because he's joined us, albeit in a part-time capacity, um, he can provide the um, expertise on the MBTA communities law um, more so than the town planner, and we can look for a town planner that has perhaps, you know, other kinds of experiences and expertise. But certainly that grant writing um, uh, skill set, I, I personally think is a very, very important one. Alan? Is, is this new uh, part-time housing coordinator something that could potentially go to full-time or... No. No. For two, no, for two reasons. He's he's retired from a municipality and the pension laws limit his ability to work for more than 1,200 hours a, a, a year. Beyond that, he has no interest. We actually, the, the, the search committee at the time, which was um, um, Jody Middleton and I and Charlie Duty, um, were so impressed with him. We asked him whether he would be willing to be an interim town planner because he just has such amazing experience. And he said, no, nope, not interested. <laughs> He's only interested in housing and only on a part-time basis. Do you, know, like, do, do you know how they found this person? Like from like Indeed, I don't know, like the searches, search engines that people use. No, I mean, we, I, um, I believe Jody put it on the sort of conventional sites. I don't think there was anything particularly novel. And he had retired, he got bored. He, he was looking for um, mm -hmm. a, a municipal housing position and he found us. And I mean, and I, I just think it's, you know, a bit of gold that we have okay. found. He actually starts on Monday. Right. Yeah. Yeah, now I go to a, uh, a, a, a grad school that has a, a lot of planning. So you gave a good uh, description, Lisa, of what uh, is going on. And a lot of them don't own have all those skills. 
and it it uh but I do know that a lot of these graduates are looking for work, and I think that there might be if Jody uh, Middleton wouldn't mind like this public policy schools like JFK, but I don't know if they go for eighty thousand a year. So you know what I'm saying? Like that is um, I don't know what you're going to get for that. So makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean I think that's a real limiting factor. No, so one uh, thought I had as well as as there hasn't been a, a specific person hired is that we could have a, a, a discussion on if there's anything, particularly with regard to master plan, um, there is in the job description uh, a, a, a portion that does refer to um, implementing the master plan and working with our committee um, to promote uh, the goals of the committee here. Um, but is there any, uh, did anyone have any thoughts regarding specific things that, uh, particularly based on our experience with Laura as a staffer, things we'd, we'd want to see continued when the new town planner comes or things we want to see added? Or, um, obviously, we've been in a bit of a, a staffless period now, uh, uh, you know, uh, but it, it, is there anything that we would want to particularly emphasize and, and, and I have a couple comments as well. I, I have a comment. I think that the communication was poorly uh, done with the past planner. I think she could have done a better job working with committees, um, with, the own, with the planning board itself. I found it a little bit difficult to get some information out of her when you know, when we needed it as a, you know, as a member of a committee. So I think communication among the boards is key. So an interdepartment communication component. I think that would also help um, the master plans efforts if there was a stronger, I mean, we were speaking with Lewis um, back in uh, July and one of the things we were discussing was interdepartment communication and coordination. And I think certainly that's something that would benefit, I think, all departments and all committees in the town if there was some better centralized uh, method of communicating. Um, so that's, that's something that definitely, um, even as far as us implementing parts of the master plan, I think that would definitely work well. Um, so let me write that. Okay. Did anyone else have any other um, thoughts? I just wanted to uh, uh, clarify what Bob just said. I, I like everything that he just said, and it makes perfect sense. So thank you for articulating that. Any uh, any any other members? I think um, one one thing too we need to. Um, I know uh, toward the end of her time as town planner, she was, had approached uh, finance committee and as well, I think select board, uh, talking about the need for more planning department staff. And that um, I think she felt that there were a lot of hats that didn't have someone to assist with. And so I think that A, created a bigger void and of course, the housing um, coordinator helped fill the void. 
but I think that, you know, obviously this is more of a fiscal thing and I'm just speaking for myself here, but we may need to find uh, for a future town planner, a little bit more assistance staff. And I mean, you hear this from a lot of departments that more staff would help. And I'm definitely, you know, sympathetic to both the balance between that and the budget and so on. But, you know, if there's certain elements that um, could be more enhanced by rather than having one person be asked to try to fill all these roles kind of to have, for instance, if we have a housing coordinator, the housing coordinator would auto automatically specialize kind of in that and that portion of planning. And, you know, she was, I think, I, I don't, uh, you know, suggesting that some other departments uh, in other towns, planning departments had other staff that helped with other things such as economic development or um, other types of assistance in planning. And so um, this is a longer term concern than specifically hiring a planning uh, town planner, but that may allow us to capture more grants or capture more um, impact from a planning department if you know there, there's not one person having to try to, to do multiple things, let alone that that may also prevent some burnout um, from the person. And I, I think that speaks for a number of departments. The budget's always the tricky part about that, figuring out how to fit additional staff into the budget. But uh, uh, Lisa, did you want to say something? I just want to pile on and, and agree with you that particularly in the area of grant writing and economic development, um, if we had additional resources, whether part-time or full-time, in those two areas, they could pay for themselves. Um, and I think those are areas that you know would benefit the town enormously. Um, I would note that um, the one candidate that was interviewed, he comes from a town with, um, I believe he told me that there were two and a half people in the planning department and it's since grown to three. Um, and, and so he is accustomed to having a very narrow specialized role because there were other people who did, who focused on other things. Um, and, it, and it was actually, it's a town of, of almost precisely the same size as Canton. Um, I, I am hopeful, um, you know, I don't have any particular insight, but I am hopeful that, um, you know, a number of the positions that were requested by departments um, last year, uh, when the town made the, made the decision not to fund anything at all, at incremental in terms of positions, you know, we might find ourselves in a, in a different position, you know, this coming year. We'll, we'll have to wait and see on uh, what the revenue projections mm -hmm. are. Um, does anyone else have any other comments regarding town planning? I also see, uh, Joe, did you have sign? Oh, no, I was just going to say that um, a lot of towns do have a planner, an assistant planner. I mean, we just had one and it was probably a lot of work. So I, I like what Lisa's saying is that uh, is that we'll have more people in that office because it might have been a lot of a lot you know so that's all i have thanks uh, i also see on the zoom call this a person called administrator would they mind identifying themselves just for the record i'm not sure um, well, if they're uh, if they're a member and they'd like to, uh, the public, if they'd like to comment, just uh, raise your hand and um, 
you'll be recognized. Um, so, uh, so then, um, and of course, if we have any uh, comments um, as members, we can pass them on to any thoughts. We can pass them on to Bob. Would that work? Bob, and if we have any other additional thoughts after the meeting regarding. Oh, positively. Okay. All right. Thanks, Bob. And uh, so, um, unless we have any other comments, we'll move on to the next item on the agenda. Um, and so, uh, as I'm sure many at home as well know, uh, the St. Gerard's Catholic Church had closed and we had had a special town meeting to uh, acquire the property. And um, so recently uh, we did acquire the property and now we're starting to uh, figure out uh, what possibilities we may be able to do with it with also a new committee being formed. So for an update on that, I'm gonna turn the meeting over to Lisa. Um, thank you, Amelia. Um, at the outset, I should say that um, contrary to, I think, some residents' opinions, um, the select board never had a preordained use in mind for this property. Um, on the contrary, it was an opportunistic purchase that we knew uh, this much acreage in this kind of strategic location would be lost to us um, if we didn't move quickly. And so we made the commitment to the town that if we were successful in negotiating the purchase of this property, uh, it, there would really be a full comprehensive um, process to engage the public and, um, and, and, to, and to really take into consideration what the public wants to do. There is of course, two different buildings and many, many acres of property, which happens to be adjacent to the middle school, which is now the potential subject of either renovation or complete rebuild, which um, you know, identifies potential opportunities. So there has been a uh, 10 person um, advisory uh, group um, that was um, uh, uh, appointed by the select board after people were invited to apply. It will be led and facilitated by our new town administrator, um, Charlie Duty. And it's critical to make clear that the mission of this group is not to on its own um, come up with um, a recommended use. Rather, the mission of this group is to engage the public through tours and surveys and research and uh, focus groups um, you know, to, you know, gather as much input as possible. And then after all of that input is uh, obtained, then to do the research on the economic and other feasibility of the best ideas, and then ultimately to present the select board with a written report of um, three to five sort of best ideas that have been researched and vetted, you know, perhaps through other communities, um, but also including uh, some economic assumptions um, that would allow us to have a sense of whether or not, you know, a, a, a renovation is gonna cost $100,000 or a million dollars. And I'm just making these numbers up, um, but that's the work of the committee. And um, Mr. Duty has uh, made clear that he expects the work to begin immediately. I don't know whether that first meeting has um, already taken place. His intention was to have it uh, take place in September that would be sort of an organizing meeting first before they started going out to the public. And then he intends to have the committee report to the select board um, once a quarter. So, you know, whenever opportunities for engagement are uh, put in the 
town website or Canton Citizen, I would urge all of us to participate and to urge other you know, friends and neighbors to participate because that's gonna make it a much better process. And uh, with regard to that committee, um, is, uh, is it the intent that uh, both the, uh, they would start, I think you were mentioning they would start with no particular projects in mind and just kind of, it would be cre create from like a brainstorming process of public community input. Uh, well, I mean, I, I can't, I certainly can't talk about what's in people's heads. I can tell you certainly that the, the um, advisory committee has been given no direction or even guidance from the select board mm -hmm. as to what we want or expect to see. Mm -hmm. So from my personal perspective, it's a clean sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. And um, we would, uh, if uh, based on the layout of the committee, when would they have to create an advisory recommendation by? Is there a, there, a window? No date certain, the committee got appointed a little bit later than um, originally um, uh, proposed or expected. Um, but it would be great um, if by the end of um, uh, you know, sort of by next June, um, there, there was um, a, you know, a, a, a substantive report um, or an understanding of you know, how much work is to be done. Because if that happens, then there would be ample time for the select board to really digest what it's hearing and to make some decisions in time for the following town meeting but it's anybody's guess as to whether or not that's achievable. Mm -hmm. And um, is it anticipated that there would be both public hearings and meetings with interested departments or like for instance, if departments have suggestions as well for what the uh, property might be used for and theoretically given its size, it could be multiple uses or one use of the property. Um, would they then come before that committee is that the idea of the, the intent of the structure? Um, yes, in spirit, although the committee was not given um, guardrails to say exactly how they needed to do it. There was most, mostly examples. Okay. Um, I mean, I think, you know, coming before departments and committees is a reasonable and appropriate, but uh, as I said, they were pretty much given um, the mission to engage as much of the public in as wide and deep a way that makes sense. Um, you know, making sure that it was sort of representative sample. And I would certainly expect that the municipal um, government would have, um, you know, huge input because they're in a best position to identify potential municipal mm -hmm. needs. Mm -hmm. And is there, a, is that, structure um, re requiring any particularly high or unexpected budgeting to just maintain it while it remains idle pending a future use or? Um, is I know that there have been um, some um, relatively cosmetic um, needs. I mean, there, uh, I'm not aware that there's been any kind of serious um, uh, financial needs identified. I think that's really going to await the uh, at least preliminary decisions as to what the potential use may be. 
Mm -hmm. uh, my guess, for example, is that if it's ever if it's going to be a public use, there would have to be elevators. Or right. elevator. There's no elevator. Mm -hmm. um, there was available to the select board as part of the due diligence um, information about the structural integrity of the property. There is some asbestos. You know, it's a very very old building. Some ideas old. Um, they, you know, the, all the stained glass uh, windows were removed by the archdiocese. That was planned. Uh, there's plexiglass there. Um, but there's no question that there is going to be a cost associated with used to be put to it, particularly in the church, if not directly. Um, I will say that um, there was some discussion at the select board meeting the other night um, that the certain members of the fire department um, may have to temporarily be housed um, because of some potential work with redoing a floor in one of the fire stations. And Chief Judy asked about housing um, some of those firefighters very temporarily in the rectory. Um, unclear as to whether or not that work is actually ready to be performed, but his review of the rectory was such that it would be you know, safe and adequate for that purpose. And the, the, um, I believe the parish priest was living there for June. Mm -hmm. And uh, with regard to the windows being removed, has, there, has the building at this point been winterized in a way that it, uh, there won't be like extreme temperature changes because of the missing windows? How was that resolved? I can't tell you uh, specifically, but I can tell you that Steve Chenier, who is um, in charge of um, you know, the municipal buildings, has been through the building. So um, I can tell you, ask them all, and, and uh, Steve Chenier are on top of that issue uh, generally in terms of making sure that the building doesn't degrade during the time that we figure out what we're going to use it for. I should also mention. Who knows whether this will come to pass, but some months ago, um, um, uh, Bill Galvin, uh, Rep. Bill Galvin was successful in earmarking, um, at least in one part of the state house, uh, $5 million for the renovation of that property. Um, whether or not it would successfully come through conference committee and, and have Senate, you know, state Senate approval as well. And you know anyone knows uh, who, who knows, um, but at, at least there is some possibility that if successful, that could provide a real jump start um, mm -hmm. funding for the renovation. And would that be um, specifically like earmarked for any specific limitations of use, or would that be saying we'd still relatively have the blank check that kind of blank slate rather? No limitations uh, as to use. Um, it would be up to the town um, to decide how best to uh, leverage that asset. Uh, thanks for the uh, update, Lisa. Any uh, any questions or comments uh, regarding St. Gerard's? Joe? Yeah, I was just curious, Lisa. Um, I heard that um, the um, archdiocese was, uh, that land was given to them for free way back when by a, a uh, a, a a farmer that was in the area. I know it's it doesn't really add up to much, but did you know that, or or can you con confirm that? I was just yes, curious. My understanding that a um, a Canton family 
deeded that property to the archdiocese 40 some odd years ago. Um, but that said, um, you know, the archdiocese um, is perfectly within its legal rights to sell its assets and absolutely and for yeah. legitimate purposes. Um, oh, yeah. And, and so this property was purchased uh, for a price based on a market appraisal. And so we thought we paid a fair price and, you know, the archdiocese, um, again, was within its uh, legal rights to, um, to sell it for a, for a profit. Thank you, Lisa. Alan? Yeah, I, I just have concerns about um, that site. You know, I, I believe it was like three and a half million dollars that was paid. Um, we'll obviously have to, you know, pay for the um, winterization, the heat and stuff. And, you know, when I hear that, you know, potentially next June, maybe there'll be a decision made. You know, it's a lot of money. Um, and what what frustrates me the most is some of the other town properties that we have discussed in prior meetings, you know, no decision has ever been made with those buildings. And I just, you know, I, I just would like to really see a firm deadline given, done, so a decision can be made versus, you know, a building just gonna sit there and potentially fall into disrepair. I do know notice that there's two X's that have been put up um, over uh, each building. And I believe, does that stand for like no entry or, or? Um, you know more than I do, Alan. I, I haven't noticed those X's. Um, I'd be speculating, but I've seen X's on other buildings in town that were private. And I believe those X's to mean a signal to our fire department that says, if God forbid there's a fire, don't risk life and limb going in because there's nobody permitted to be in those buildings. Okay. I, I think that's what it means, but I'm speculating a bit. I thought those X's mean that it was condemned, but I don't know. Right, I'm not exactly sure. That was my understanding is that they weren't like habitable. If there are X's on the St. Gerard's, and, and again, I don't know where they are or what, um, but it is not a building that's been condemned. Alan, were you talking about St. Gerard's with the X's or were you talking about like Gridley School and- No, St. Gerard's. St. Gerard's. There's, there's one over the rectory and there's one over oh, okay. where the, the uh, church was. All right, wow. Well, right, you know, like, the, you know, the Gridley School is a perfect example. Um, the Ponca Park School is a perfect example. And, you know, we just, you know, we wait, we wait, we wait, and they fall further into disrepair. And I, I just like to see decisions made. I mean, that's... I, I can just say that I, I feel that pain. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I don't want to languish. Um, Again, we were a little bit late getting out of the starting blocks with this uh, committee for a variety of reasons. Um, but you know, I, for one, just saying myself, I'm really going to be pushing to make a decision. And 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 the reason that I say it will take some time is that we did make a commitment to the community that it would really be involved. Um, but I, I don't want to have, even though I think we got in a fantastic deal for the, this property. 
um, it wasn't, it was, you know, more like 3.2. Um, you know, nevertheless, you know, it doesn't make any sense if it's going to languish and be a wasting asset. So I, I, I completely um, agree with your comment. And um, with regard, uh, Lisa, with regard to the new committee that's formed, and this is, uh, if any other members have thoughts on this too, feel free to, to enter the conversation. But um, what uh, do you think we might want to do as a master plan implementation committee and it, to um, help uh, with this process? Obviously, there's a committee, and I think we want them to start on their own, you know, without us necessarily interfering with however they want to start up their committee. But at some point, I, I would definitely want that committee to consider the master plan in the, the decisions they're making, respecting that they've been appointed for that purpose. Um, yeah. So uh, is there any uh, thought on if we should um, somehow get involved in that process? Or is it a matter that the select board would really, other than maybe a, a prompting from us that there is a master plan? I would suggest that you as chair, Emilio, um, uh, send a message to um, Charlie Duty as the mm -hmm. chair of the committee, indicate that um, it's important to this committee that the master plan be consulted and, uh, and regarded as a guiding input, and that when the time is right, according to its processes, mm -hmm. uh, the committee would like to come before the advisory committee or vice versa, but we'd like to participate in a way that, mm -hmm. we, that, that the committee thinks would be helpful. But mm -hmm. I would get on the record early. Okay. That, um, you know, we would like that opportunity. Okay. Yeah, that's that's essentially what I was thinking is us, us having some input or some coordination with them in some way. And I think um, then if that's, I just didn't want if the committee, if it was really the intent of the select board to let them start off independently. I didn't want to like tamper, you know, with what they were doing. But um, if if that's the, yeah, if the select board is over. It will be up to the committee to decide, um, you know, uh, when in particular and what's mm -hmm. the best way to involve this mm -hmm. committee. But just to put it on notice that this committee has an interest and wants to mm -hmm. help, Definitely. wants to, you know, provide information. Yeah, I think that's okay. Yeah. All right. So then I'll actually reach out to um, uh, what actually, what date, do you happen to know the date where um, Charlie Duty is taking over as town administrator? I know Charlie Aspinall's retirement party is coming. Well, so well what's the, what's the, October 1, but he has actually already begun okay. in, in his role as chair of this committee. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, did anyone else have any comments regarding St. Gerard's or any immediate? Concerns? Okay, so um, let's see. So then, uh, having uh, completed that item, we'll go to uh, an update on affordable housing trust and housing production plan. And um, again, Lisa, I'll, I'll go to you for an update on that. Okay, and I, I, I don't want to hijack this meeting. So, um, you know, uh, feel free others to, to weigh in. Um, but the first um, major uh, work of the um, housing trust was to engage a um, housing professional to help update what had been a 2015 housing action plan, which is a very, very high level aspirational plan based on an assessment of needs, you know, then. 
and update that to 2022 and to a much um, uh, greater level of particularity in terms of strategies and tactics. Uh, and she was engaged to facilitate um, uh, a series of one-on-one uh, -on -one interviews, um, forums, focus groups, and, a, and uh, send out a survey. We got over 650 responses to the survey. So all of that uh, data um, and engagement was uh, considered in identifying um, uh, candidate strategies and goals and objectives that the trustees have been discussing. Um, the work was originally intended to be completed by September, but honestly, um, some uh, both the departure of our town planner and some COVID in the family of the consultant has delayed it just a little bit, but I've seen the whole draft plan um, and it is very nearly complete. And it, fortunately, it's coincident with the um, hiring of the housing coordinator. So once we approve this plan and start to market it, marketed it maybe the wrong word, but we share it generally with town boards and committees and the public at large, um, we can engage the consultant um, to actually begin the work. Um, one critical piece is the knowledge that <coughs> excuse me, a number of the housing units that are currently on Canton's subsidized housing inventory have deed restrictions that will be expiring in the future. And if all of them expire on schedule, uh, the town is at risk of going below 10%, uh, which is the statutory minimum threshold to maintain our own local control over our zoning. And therefore, it's very, very important that we begin to be very thoughtful about how to reach out to the owners of those properties and hopefully negotiate an extension of those expiring restrictions. Or if not, if we're not going to be successful and they come off the restriction and they revert to market rate, then um, we really need new strategies to um, have new units in ways that are compatible with the community so that we can keep over 10%. And one of the particular challenges is um, that a state law says that if over 25, or if at least 25% of the rental units in a multi-housing project meet the guidelines for below market affordability, then the town gets credit for 100% of the units in that in that um, on that project, and some of our expiring units are in that category. So if we cannot, so just as an example, if it's a hundred unit project, um, and twenty five of them are are considered affordable units, we have credit on our subsidized housing inventory for all hundred. And so if we are not successful in negotiating an extension of the expiring deed restrictions on the 25, we lose not only the 25, but all 100. So it, it, it is a, uh, a challenge um, and, and we're hoping to really lean into that and, and provide some you know, serious resource to getting that figured out.
And um, with regard to those type of deed restrictions, if those things, uh, those the ones that are sunsetting, are those mostly older deed restricted properties? For instance, if something were built today that's affordable housing, is the norm to have it be time limited or per uh, perpetual? Um, it's a great question, and that the norm today is to have restrictions in perpetuity. Okay. So these are so older projects that were 20, 30 years ago at the very beginning of some of the programs that provided state and federal tax credits. Um, and when that financing expires and the tax credits are no longer available, then the um, deed restriction expires. Um, I, I should say one other thing about a different topic, um, but having <clears throat> trust, um, the very first uh, activity that the housing trust was involved in is it became known that a condominium unit that um, was subject to a restriction uh, was going to be lost uh, to um, the Canton's SHI because the owner defaulted on the loan to the bank and the bank was entitled to take over the condominium and the legal documents provided that in that instance it could revert to market rate. And so with the support of the select board, the housing trust purchased that condominium and then you know, marketed it and essentially flipped it to a household um, that was eligible uh, by income and assets and therefore kept it on uh, the SHI. The, the reason I mention this is it turned out to be a really big deal. Sorry about that. Um, to, to market this property. And we realized during the process that, um, I mean, just to give you an example, this was a, a very, very nice condominium, uh, two bedroom condominium that was significantly below market. And many, 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 many people in Canton, both residents and employees would have been eligible to purchase this uh, condominium. And it was a real challenge to get the word out to our own community um, about the availability of this below market opportunity to be a homeowner. And so one of the real um, objectives of the housing trust is to create a process that is sustainable, that um, makes sure that when these kinds of opportunities become available, Canton residents and Canton employees, you know, teachers, firefighters, police officers, you know, municipal employees, um, many, many, many of them are income and asset eligible for these properties that they become aware of this opportunity because then they're, what happens is that they become available through a lottery system. And if you don't enter into the lottery, you're not gonna have an opportunity to win the opportunity. Hmm. Uh, Alan, I saw that you had your hand up. Did you have a question? Yeah, I had um, Lisa. Do you know? Do you remember the dates that uh, some of these housing units, um, the sunset takes place on them, that they would? Oh gosh, um, I believe the first one is two thousand thirty. I could be wrong. I don't have it in front of me. Okay. And it sounds like a long time away. It's not. <laughs> I've been told in doing the research with some of the Massachusetts financing agencies that provide the tax credits 
that it can often take two to three years to negotiate with a private owner, um, you know, a successful outcome. <clears throat> and beyond that, we need to have something to negotiate with. <laughs> so, um, you know, we can't just say, um, you know, private, private owner, you know, extend these deed restrictions, you know, do us a favor. You know, you usually have to, you have to buy that. You know, you have to negotiate a price um, to either buy it out or extend it. Um, Joe, we, we, you and I had a conversation about possibly using um, uh, real estate tax relief as one inducement to private owners um, mm. to extend. And um, I had a, uh, I, I consulted town council and um, it is apparently um, uh, a, uh, a vehicle that's, it's, it's not um, commonly used, um, but there's nothing wrong with it. And I was advised that it's really up to um, our local assessors. It's not a um, housing trust decision. It's not a select board decision. It's not even a town meeting decision, but it's, it's a decision for the assessors to decide whether to offer tax relief to a property owner in exchange for something of value. So I thank you very much for that suggestion. And that's mm -hmm. going to be included as a potential uh, strategy in the housing production report. Wonderful. And the, so the new units that are going to be going up at the Paul Revere Heritage site, won't a few of those um, be added to the, the affordability? The, the new ones that were just approved, um, uh, there are 77 age-restricted units approved. Seven of them are uh, deed-restricted in perpetuity to below market. Um, I, I've seen those numbers in terms of what the price point is. Um, I, I can just tell you that they're at a very significant reduction from the market rate of what those units are going for. And so those will be put in a lottery and, and we as a town, we as a housing trust are gonna wanna work really, really hard to get the word out um, about the availability of you know, those opportunities. And it, it's not that um, residents or employees um, will be necessarily given any priority, but if they don't get into the lottery, then they have no chance. But, you know, it, 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 the, the, the more local people that enter the lottery, the higher the likelihood that it will be a local resident or employee who is chosen from the lottery. And the way it works is the lottery, and it's a third party that conducts this lottery, they choose numbers, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then number one is first given an opportunity to see the property. Uh, have it inspected, decide that they want it, and if and there's a sh very short window within which to consummate uh, a PNS. If that doesn't work, it goes to to lottery number number two. So the housing trust, how how do they have the money to um, go out and buy a unit? Um, right now, the housing trust only had um, a grant from last year's CPA to in the amount of 47.5. Well, the first there was a CPA grant for $50,000 to do this, the, the consultant work. Then there was a subsequent grant of 47.5 to hire a um, housing coordinator. Um, the way that the housing trust purchased the 
a condominium is through a loan from the town that was approved by the select board. And as soon as the unit was sold, then of course the housing trust paid back the loan to the town. Um, so, but the select board agreed that it was in the best interest to preserve this unit. And so it agreed to make that temp very temporary loan to the housing trust. So going forward, um, there really needs <clears throat> to be some kind of revenue stream that will give the housing trust some, you know, uh, money in the bank to negotiate. One of the things that has been uh, recently decided is that as part of the Revere Development Agreement just agreed several meetings ago related to the 77 age restricted units, um, there had been a, a condominium unit that was um, part of the entire transaction that was gonna come to the town. In the intervening years from 2015 to 2022, we all know that the, that the uh, real estate market has gone crazy. And so the decision was made um, that the town will um, acquire this condominium, it's a two bedroom condominium. It will then sell it at market and the proceeds of that sale that could be in excess of $600,000 will be used to maintain um, Canton's um, affordability inventory. So Great. that's a, a one-time infusion of cash. There are many other ways that communities have uh, provided mm -hmm. for a sort of a continual <clears throat> flow of an infusion so that in our case, for example, we have the assets to be able to negotiate with private owners to extend their deed restrictions when it comes to that. So, so Joe, sort of what you're trying to say, and maybe I'm not, like when we pay our taxes now, a certain percent goes to CPA each year, I believe. Isn't that like a... Well, there is a surcharge right, right. now um, so that... Uh, uh, sort of a 1% on the valuation of your home beyond $100,000 value. So for example, if you had a home valued at $650,000, your CPA surcharge would be a little bit more than $60. And that goes to the CPA trust fund locally and, and CPA must be spent on only CPA designated projects. So, so if is, is it possible that you could add an added, item, an added line item that, you know, for, you know, affordability trust that, you know, $60 from each house goes towards that fund. So when, when these units do become available, potentially there's a much higher revenue source. Um. When, when you say these units become available, I'm not sure. Well, let's say, you know, all of a sudden one of these big complexes wants to, you know, go um, private. You know, if if every house contributed, say, $60 a year over the next 10 years, you would have, let's say, you know, a nice sum of money to say, hey, listen, this is what we can, let's work out some kind of agreement. I, I see what you mean. So you're, you mean with the units where the deed restrictions are going to expire? Right. Well, if the deed restrictions are due to expire, 
then the private owner of that property, um, you know, has that right. They, they don't have to give us any. I mean, they, they right. can just say, you know, my deed restrictions expired. I now can sell at market. So in, in order for us to either extend them or get a payment, as you're suggesting, um, then the town, yeah. you know, quite reasonably would have to offer something of value in exchange to induce the private owner to be willing to either extend the deed restriction or to contribute to a fund dedicated to affordable housing. Right. But if you don't have any money, if you have very limited money in the affordability trust, you're hampered in doing a lot of activities where if each house, I'm saying X, Y, Z, explain it properly to them, you know, there could be, you know, a sizable sum of money available for the town whenever opportunities arise to go out and potentially buy a, a unit and make, you know. Well, if your general point is that we have to come up with, you know, some Revenue. money in right. the bank right. to, to execute on these strategies, you're absolutely right. Um, different communities have done different things. Sometimes they ask developers um, to either commit to uh, a certain percentage of affordable units or to make payments in lieu of. Sometimes set payments, sometimes they're negotiated. Sometimes there are cell tower fees um, that are dedicated to this purpose. Um, I mean, there are all sorts of strategies that are intended to create a revenue stream. Um, communities on the Cape, frankly, are the ones who, among the ones who are most innovative because they have such acute housing shortages for people who work on the Cape and on the islands. And so they've, they've been very creative and trying to bankroll um, you know, strategies to create housing. Any other thoughts, Alan? No. Um, so, uh, Lisa, so if the, with regard to those um, getting those deed restrictions worked out, is that a process similar to easement? taking just with a deed in the sense that we would go through a process of negotiating or, um, really, because okay. with an easement um, and I am not a real estate lawyer you know by training but my understanding my superficial understanding is that with an easement um, the town ultimately has the power of eminent domain um, but in this case um, the town doesn't have the ultimate power to unilaterally decide uh, to take this property right and that deed restriction is a property right. Mm -hmm. so either we're successful in negotiating or we're not. So in this case, it would definitely require the consent of the person to voluntarily for some agreement exactly. or some agreement to have a deed restriction extended. And, and, and sometimes um, owners are, are willing to do it because their tax credits run out and they're mm -hmm. looking for more financing either. And, and sometimes financing is provided by the community. Sometimes it's provided by state or federal agencies. And as a condition of the refinancing, there are requirements for extended deed restrictions. Mm -hmm. So there are, are a variety of ways that we can go about this, but we need some sophistication in you know, this 
process. Um, you know, we, 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 I mean, there isn't any resident in the in the town staff, and certainly not among we volunteers. And with regard to the um, the funding of this, obviously beyond town finances for this, are there state funds or grants that could be obtained for the purpose of pursuing the extension of uh, housing uh, deed restrictions for affordable housing? Um, I, I believe so. Um, I don't know whether they will be available specifically for this purpose, but I think everybody's been reading in the news that this, you know, the issue with inadequate housing stock is not a Canton issue or even a Massachusetts issue. It's a national issue. Um, but Governor Baker's budget um, has included just millions and millions of dollars that are dedicated to production of new housing. Um, some of that is going to be directed to so-called gateway communities um, uh, that have a certain percentage of lower income residents, um, but not all of it by any means. And so there is an expectation that there will be state money available, but again, we need to have the resource to know about it, to chase it, to be diligent about it, because um, it's not going to just come to us, and there are going to be a lot of communities looking for it. <laughs> and uh, the the other um, the other question regarding uh, capacity for us to do that does the what would the the housing trust essentially need in addition to what it has now to be able to have that capacity, both in terms of 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 labor in terms of technology, whatever resources, what if, if there was a, a spot where capacity is missing, is there, is there well, the town planner, the town planner would be the primary. Okay. Um, because for example, um, uh, with this MBTA communities law, it centers on zoning for housing um, and within very strict uh, directives. Um, of this new state law, and it, it, it's really the town planner who should be leading that very technical analysis and effort. Mm -hmm. um, beyond that, you know, what, what we do need is a sustainable revenue source. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, the, um, the, obviously, we're going to have some success with uh, getting some of those deed restrictions extended and presumably some failures in getting that extended. So the MBTA, um, the transit-oriented development proposal, I would say just as myself, um, would provide an opportunity to build out more to offset some of those that we may lose, um, as well as obviously establishing us to be able to keep the zoning um, that the MBTA communities law allows us to keep grant wise and so on by doing that. But also if, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna assume we're not gonna be hundred percent successful even in the most optimistic projection of having all of these uh, deeded properties agree to do that. So we also always wanna look at, well, okay, if we're gonna have a net loss, a loss over here, how do we make up for that with a gain over here? And um, hopefully we'll be um, talking about the transit oriented development at a future meeting. Um, uh, later, perhaps this fall uh, at the earliest. So, um, but uh, definitely thank you, Lisa, for the update. Does anyone else have any questions regarding um, 
uh, the housing trust or the uh, uh, housing production plan before we move on to the next item. But you also have to, uh, Emilio. Yeah. Uh, what you also have to remember is land is getting limited. So, you know, anything that comes on new on board, these cities and towns have to be amenable to a lot of different things. I mean, you know, things that are coming before the town right now, some of these lots at best are D blocks. You know, they're they're not real desirable lots. And to build anything of value, you know, some of these lots are, are you know, a developer or a builder is just not going to get what he needs to make it a profit, you know, a profitable endeavor for himself or, or you know, the companies. Well, definitely the land uh, scarcity in town, I think, too, is also something that's pushing up the property values as well, you know, because obviously there is not that sort of land to easily increase supply of housing, which also incidentally makes affordable housing more expensive because I think it's it's um, tied to the local income and uh, Lisa, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the local income and average income and average housing prices in setting what afford who's eligible for affordable housing and what the affordable housing can cost. In, in part, the, the limitation is based on 80% of what's called the area median income, but that area is as wide as, you know, the Boston area. Oh, okay. It doesn't just include the local town. No. Got it. So that we also have to think about, I mean, I just, I just finished two projects in another town and my costs were 35% higher today than they were in 2019 and I didn't do anything different. Wow. It's 35% higher. Um, you know, I, I mean, that's a huge difference. And there were um, renovations. Yeah, definitely the inflation is, is um, concerning to material. say the least and yeah, material, yeah. Yeah, big part of Joe? And with Canton's area medium, area medium income, the salary of the planning of the town planner would qualify for affordable housing under 80%. Well, um, it, <clears throat> if, if it was a single, um, uh, if it was, if it was the only income of a four person family, it would, um, mm. for a, just a single person household, the income level is about $67,000. That's and right, Lisa, if, thank if, you. You know, if there was a four person household and the town planner is the only breadwinner, then yes, you're quite right. Um, that position would qualify for affordable housing based on the income. There's also an assets test, but based on the income, absolutely. Very good, thank you. That's right. Uh, thanks, Lisa. Thank, uh, does anyone else have any comments? I, I have, Bob, do you think that the cost is always going to stay this high like you know what usually when something goes up it never comes back down but do you think like the building cost is just going to stay like this for many years i think it will be there for a while um you know not to get in a big debate about it but you know this country's got to start getting back into manufacturing you know 
that's that's one of our biggest problems. I mean, a, a two by four used to used to cost about a dollar eighty. Yes. It went up to almost ten dollars a board. Crazy. Came down to like eight forty or eight ninety or something like that. But look at the cost. You know, two by fours. That's a lot of money. I think that's definitely one of the the big. Uh, concerns uh, for our country is the inflation. And obviously that affects us directly in a lot of different ways. But um, but definitely if, you know, the more things cost, the more people are going to be um, pushed into needing assistance because the, uh, you know, the wages or the costs of living aren't uh, going down. But, you know, the cost of living isn't going down, but the wages are not keeping up consistently with the um, the rise in costs, you know, you see that in, you, in, on the news of all sorts of things, food, you know, it would be interesting to see if, you know, our food pantry even has been tasked because, you know, the cost of the supermarkets have, uh, you know, gone up considerably as well. And that, is, that eats away at what someone can afford for housing, all these other peripheral re uh, requirements of life that they have. So um, it's definitely a, an issue that we're um, affected by, but don't totally control in, in any way. Uh, so it is definitely something we're gonna have to factor into a lot of things in, in our town, I would say, is to how we're going to deal with some of these costs, whether they be short-term, higher costs, whether they be short-term or, or, or longer-term issue. And, and definitely, as Alan said, a lot of times when prices go up, they don't return down. They kind of, it, it maybe it ends up becoming, um, you know, a, a, more, a, a, a balanced equilibrium price that kind of as long as people can afford it, it stays there. And in some products, it goes down. So we'll have to. And, we'll have, and that one down? more clarification: mm -hmm. this new part-time housing coordinator, that person is going to be also working in the affordable trust, or is the the day-to-day -day supervision will be by the town planner, or in the absence of a town planner the town administrator, but what this person does is essentially perform um, to the, uh, you know, sort of goals and objectives of the housing trustees. Okay, thank you. All right, so um, we uh, will move on to the next item on the agenda. Um, and, and thanks, Lisa, for the update. And, um, and we'll obviously talk about uh, housing in future meetings as well. Um, so we have on our committee two vacancies. Um, we have the one regarding community preservation, uh, park and, uh, and rec. And then I, uh, I believe that uh, Sean Robinson has left as our citizen at large, um, according to Tracy. Um, so, uh, so we do have two vacancies. One is a committee um, linked seat and one is a community seat. So certainly if anyone's interested in being our citizen at large, they can certainly contact, I guess it would be the select board um, to um, see how they can, what process they need to complete to uh, be a member. Um, the other committee, I know in the previous meeting we were talking about possibly asking through the select board, the community uh, preservation or park and rec to designate a, um, essentially a representative, um, even if it be a member that's not on their committee um, to represent them on this committee. 
Um, Lisa, has there been any progress on that through Select Board? Um, not to my knowledge. Um, I did make the announcement, um, I believe, a couple of meetings ago, that if any member of the public were interested, um, sure I did that, uh, to, to go ahead and, and um, lead us a very simple one-page application um, that's available through the Select Board's office, and, and then it's uh, an interview that there's not a lot of heavy lifting. So if there are members of the public listening um, who feel that they have something to contribute, um, it would be great to have uh, an application that uh, the Select Board would be pleased to move on quickly. Now, just for full information on that for the public, on the citizen at large, this obviously, they have to simply be a resident of town. For to represent a committee as a designate, does there need to be any special requirements or just the committee has to designate them? My understanding is that the committee just has to designate them. Okay. okay. Uh, that Joe? is correct. Yeah, that's correct, what, what Lisa just said, yeah. Thank you. Did anybody have any uh, thoughts on that? Nope. I do believe that vacancies, unless I'm mistaken, do count for our quorum. So our quorum is still the same, even though we have two vacancies. I'm not sure that's correct. I'm not, I'm not. That's what I thought I had seen in a, what is it? Uh, I, I was recently told otherwise. Um, okay. That Robert's rules um, would, consider the fact that there are committee vacancies to be um, subtracted from okay. the committee when calculating a, a, a quorum. You might want to check. I'll, I'll, reach, I'll reach check that. I think that in the open meeting law, I had seen at one point on, oh. I think it was the state website was citing that it's, it, it is with the vacancies, but I'll, I'll double check on that because um, that would obviously be uh, concerning if it was, because that would mean that they would be a sense, those two empty seats would, right. for intents and purposes, be kind of uh, always non attending. Tracy? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Lisa. Resource there. Yeah. Okay, I'll double check with Tracy on that. Thanks, now, Lisa. Um, the vacancy that is on the uh, Community Preservation Committee and the, the, the slash the pl pr playground and recreation committee um that they sort of need to from, from what i understand uh i would probably i would maybe suggest to reach out to them and say listen we need someone from your um uh department i mean someone has to fill that vacant in other words the the, the planning board just doesn't let this go vacant you know we do I, a yeah i i did um i did let uh our, the, the playground and recreation no i sent an email to their chair um, regarding the vacancy, and I think Lisa, feel free to. I, I also communicated with the chairs of the Community Preservation Committee, and it was made known. And you know, to be perfectly candid, everybody on that committee is stretched with committee more than one, sometimes many more than one committee obligations, and there just was no one who had the bandwidth to sign up for one more. It wasn't for lack of interest in the topic. Hmm. Happens a lot. Interesting. Uh, but so if, uh, again, uh, just to reiterate, if anyone uh, watching the program is interested in joining, please contact the select board and um, can, they can start the process on a possible appointment. 
Um, so uh, on to our next item. So um, I did reach out to um, Tom Birmingham of the um, municipal, uh, what is it, the energy committee that's uh, in the process of working um, on implementing our municipal energy aggregation program and have invited him to a future meeting. I invite him actually to tonight, but he wasn't able to attend. So, um, so hopefully we'll have him here in October as an update on that, as a other business update. Also too, I know we had discussed in a previous meeting, the concept of uh, the inequity between elected officials on um, stipends and at our finance committee meeting on Monday, we are gonna be discussing creating a committee um, to actually look into the, uh, the stipends for elected officials, which um, I think for people, folks at home, it's usually around like Article 4 or 5 or somewhere in there of the town warrant, um, where there's a, a list of elected officials and, and various stipends to, to thank them for their service. Um, so that's an update on that. So I think that brings us to acceptance of the minutes. Let me get it up on the the screen here. Okay, so um, did everybody get the minutes? Yes. All right. Um, did anyone have any um, uh, thoughts or changes on it? Okay. Uh, do I have a, a motion to accept the minutes? Um, I make a motion to accept the uh, the uh, minutes uh, from July 14th uh, as written. Is there a second? Second. All right. Uh, so we'll go through the roll call. Uh, Joe? Aye. Lisa? I'll abstain because I wasn't present. Okay. Um, Bob? I'll have to abstain also. I was with Lisa. Yep. <laughs> uh, Alan? Aye. Okay, and I'm an aye as well. And let's see, did I get everyone? I think so. So then it's uh, 302, and we'll consider that accepted. Um, okay, so uh, we have. Um, yeah. Excuse me. Who was the second on the motion? I oh. second it. And Bob, okay. Yeah. okay, thank you. I can second, but I can't vote. I'm yeah, the yeah. next week. Uh, I believe you can. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> so, Al. Um, so, so that brings us to upcoming meetings and um, future guests. So, um, I'll just open my calendar here. So I was thinking we may want to, we definitely want to plan the October meeting. If um, folks want, we could plan October, November, December, or we could just plan next this upcoming month, depending on if there's an opinion on a thought on having, I, I thought with particularly where meetings tend to get more busy, it may be better to know in advance when we're meeting. I think so, in the holidays, even, it's good to have them on the schedule. Okay, so um, I would propose that we next meet on um, October 20 at seven. 
And I uh, currently on the town calendar, I don't see any other meetings there, but it may be, may or may not be too in advance for that, but. October 20th, yeah. Okay, and, uh, and does that seem to work? Zoom? I, I would say that we're, um, uh, I know last time we had discussed that and it seemed like the majority of members preferred Zoom. Um, definitely uh, Bob and Lisa, as you weren't there, do you have a preference between Zoom or in person? I think Zoom works great. I, I, October 20th is um, my son's wedding weekend. And so I have obligations beginning on Thursday, but I'm not suggesting that that would not be a good date for others to meet. Let's see. Uh, Bob, any thoughts on Zoom or in person? Um, I don't have a problem with the Zoom. The other committee I'm on, I preferred in person because it makes sense. You got to look at plans and things like that. So it makes more sense. But uh, no, I think we can go along with Zoom on this. Okay. Um, well, if, um, if theoretically we could have that meeting on October 13th, um, if that is good for others, um, I don't see any meetings that would affect anybody on our committee. For no, I have another no. meeting on that night as well. Oh. Um, okay. I'm well, accommodating <laughs> all. <laughs> uh, then, then uh, maybe we'll uh, uh, stay with October 20. And um, thank you. Uh, so then, um, in November, let's see where Thanksgiving is, which is okay. Um, um, I mean, yeah. Um, are you, is that when you're going to invite Tom Birmingham to that meeting? Is that October? Uh, I was gonna, I haven't gotten a confirmation for him, but I told him I would let him know what our date was. Okay. So if he's able to come on October 20, then he would be at least a guest. Um, so then maybe, uh, in November, of course, we start getting into some holidays there. Does November 10 or 17 work better for, for uh, members? Uh, 10 would be the day before Veterans Day. 17 would be the Thursday in between to Thanksgiving. 17 would be. Okay, is November 17? 17. Okay. Yeah, I think that's too, right. I think November 10th is too close to the next meeting. So the 17th. Okay. Yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, good point. Thanks, Alan. Um, and then in December, let's see where we are. November seventeen. December twenty-nine sounds good. December twenty-nine. <laughs> laughing, so I wonder. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're okay with it, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm gonna be okay. Keep your day job, Joe. <laughs> Well, um, let's see, um, definitely, which date? December 15, perhaps. Let me see, I see something on the town calendar. Let me just see if it's anything. I think it's a zoning board of appeals. I think we're okay with that. So December 15 then, does that work for members? I sure. think so. 
So um, some, okay, so we have November, seven, uh, October 20 at seven o'clock, November 17 at seven o'clock and December 15 at seven o'clock, all Thursdays. Okay. Um, so, and uh, I think we'll make those all uh, Zoom meetings. And um, I think that seems to be easy for members and, um, and stuff. And um, uh, so I think we'll, as long as we still have access to Zoom, which I think we do through next spring or so, um, and, uh, unless there's objection from the committee, we'll, we'll stay with Zoom. Um, so as far as guests go, um, some uh, guests that uh, I was thinking of for this uh, fall, I know we had, uh, we had discussed some folks we might want to have, uh, is uh, the Library Board of Trustees, um, uh, Charlie Duty as town administrator. Um, also, um, I had tried for this meeting to reach out to Mike Trotta, but wasn't able to connect with him for public works. And um, I'll, I'll try again at some point um, over this, um, uh, this autumn to try and see if we can get him to uh, join us in a meeting. And, uh, and obviously Tom Birmingham, I'll, we'll have him at some point here, either October, November. And at some point we'll also, when it seems to be the right timing, we'll have a discussion on a transit oriented development. Um, so those are kind of what I was thinking for those meetings we just scheduled. Does anyone have any other thoughts or comments? Joe? Yeah, one thing that has, that has repeatedly came up with the planning board is these developers that are cutting down trees that are on roadways that are historical preservation, like on York Street, and uh, and we don't know how to approach that, but I know there's a tree warden, I think, in Canton, but I thought I'd just uh, alert you that we, um, it's a it's a problem, and it needs to, I don't know how to completely ad address it, so. So it's it's also, is it Jeopard, it's, uh, these are like town, uh, trees that are on private property, or trees that are on the any trees that are along like um, those roadways that are oh. like if they're doing construction, like they would move, start moving walls and those oh. trees that came down. Are you talking and historical ways, Joe? Or yes, yes. Historical ways. Chapman yeah. Street is, is historical. York Street is historical. Um, there, there's a number of ones that are designated historical. That That's under the jurisdiction of the planning board and the uh, tree warden. Okay, okay, I'll let them know. I just thought I put it on your radar. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tree wooden. So these are scenic ways. Is that what we're? Yeah. yeah. A scenic, scenic ways. ways. I'm not yeah. not historical ways. Excuse me. Scenic ways. My fault. My bad. Thank you, Emilio. No problem. Uh, Lisa. I would just offer that, um, although it's a wonderful idea to ask Charlie Duty to come, he's going to have an awful lot on his plate. Yes. So we may okay. want to. Um, push that spring because he's gonna okay. want to get his legs under him <laughs> right okay thanks all right so we'll we'll schedule him for the spring and obviously too at some point in this process we may also have a town planner and they may have some also items they might want to bring before us <laughs> as well so um so uh before i ask for a motion to adjourn did anyone else have anything uh, that they wanted to discuss with the committee nope and I don't,
Okay, do I have a, a motion to adjourn? I'd like to make a motion that we adjourn the meeting at uh, 8.35 promptly. <laughs> second. All right, so moved and seconded. So I'll call the roll. Joe? Aye. Uh, Lisa? Yes. Bob? Yes. Alan? Yes. And I'm an aye, so that's 5-0-0. We are adjourned. Um, so have, have a good night, everyone, and uh, thanks Thank you. for joining us. Good night, everyone. Good night. Emilio. Emilio, who was the second? Lisa. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night.